thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. We've always taken mums the word to mean keeping things to ourselves. Well, this is no longer the case as we provide mums with the natural, honest, and reliable resources they need from experts and other mums to keep their families happy, healthy, and safe. Be prepared to use your passion for parenting to empower yourself with the knowledge of choice. Welcome to Mums the Word with your host, mum and chiropractor, Kaz Jaff. Hey, Mums the Word listeners, it's Kaz Jaff here, and we are on our Best Of series. It's number seven here, and I don't know how we already got to number seven of the Best Of series, but we did, and it's already mid-February 2017. This week's episode, um, well, it, it still remains the highest energy interview to date, and I'm thrilled to re-release it as part of this series. Uh, we're talking all about Lamaze and uh, it not being your mum's huffing and puffing class. Uh, Tanya Strasberg is a Lamaze certified childbirth educator and founder of Birthwell Birthright, which is an independent childbirth education practice based in Melbourne. In 2015, Tanya was inducted as an FACCE, a fellow of the Academy of Certified Childbirth Educators, in recognition of her significant contribution to childbirth education. Through her internationally accredited Lamoz Educator Training Program, she is very excited to be training a new generation of Australian Lamoz educators. They are very lucky. Um, last but not uh, least, um, absolutely not least, she is also the mum of two beautiful children, her son Liev and her daughter Amalia. Enjoy the episode. I know you're going to love it. That's why I included it again in the Best Of series. Ciao. Tanya, I'm so excited to have this uh, time with you. We've tried to get this episode happening a few times and here we are. Today's the day. Please share with the listeners a little bit more about yourself. Well, I'm also very happy to be here. It has been a while. <laughs> Bouts of illness and children and all sorts of things getting in the way. Um, what can I tell you? Um, I guess I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm, t- I'm typical as, as a birth professional and that this is not something I actually ever thought I would end up doing. Um, I spent many years of my, you know, I guess my professional life working in a completely different field. Um, you know, when I left school, I, I had always been involved and passionate about the performing arts and, um, and uh, also having parents who were media people and um, I guess that was just the direction I, you know, always assumed I would go in and I did. For about 12 years I worked in the performing arts, I worked in marketing and production and it was, you know, a huge, huge part of my life for a very long time. Um, <clears throat> I guess this, I guess the thing that really changed things and the direction um, of my life in many ways, not just professionally, um, was that I, I moved to Israel when I was 30 on my own um, without actually having ever been there before. So that was a bit crazy, emigrating to a country you've never been to. Um, but it was just, I guess, part of the crazy whim that I was on at the moment at that time and um, found myself um, really in love with the country and life there and the people and um, I desperately wanted to stay and I suppose the main issue I found at the time was the work that I'd been doing professionally really didn't have a place there. It was it would have been more or less impossible to find um, paid work, you know, that could have sustained uh, any kind of living um, working in, in the arts industry. Um, 
So I kind of sidetracked a little bit and sort of moved into more sort of informal education and that's a whole other chapter that I won't go into. Um, but it was, look, it was interesting. It paid the bills and, and whatnot and I guess allowed me to live there, which really I suppose um, was instrumental because, you know, eventually I ended up, I ended up meeting my husband who's, who's Israeli from there. We got married there and boom, 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 I, you know, before I could blink, I suddenly had two children. <laughs> um, I had my um, my two kids who are now uh, almost seven and almost six who were born there. Um, they're only a year and a week apart. My God. <laughs> so, you know, in my in my childbirth classes when we talk about contraception, I'm like, I have your case in point. Hello. About um, breastfeeding yes, and fertility. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, yes, it's an old wives' tale and I'm the living proof. Um, but, um, look, I found, you know, many experiences, A, having having children abroad and, you know, not having my family close by uh, for support, um, giving birth in a kind of a, in a you know, so-called foreign environment, even though I'd been living there for a while, it was still very foreign to me. Um, and, you know, when I was expecting my son, who's the older of my two children, um, my husband and I went along to a Lamar's class in Jerusalem, which had come extremely highly, you know, recommended from just about every friend I had who had had children there. And they said, oh, you have to go to Rochelle's class. That's, you know, that's that's a given. Um, So we booked in. And we met um, Rochelle, who is um, uh, originally from um, from South Africa and had, you know, via America and had been in Israel for about 30 years by that point um, and was, you know, without a doubt, you know, absolutely the, um, I suppose, the, you know, the poster lady for, for Lamar's education in Israel. Um, and, um, you know, we had a, you know, we had a wonderful class with her and we met some, you know, great other couples who were also expecting first baby. Um, which is a big part, I think, of any childbirth class is that, is that social interaction that you have with other couples who, you know, more or less at the same point in pregnancy as you. And, you know, generally you're all expecting your first child. So, you know, you get a lot from the other people I think you meet as well. Um, Definitely. and, you know, that class, you know, I, 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 look, I wouldn't say, you know, and I say the same thing about my own classes, you know, going to a childbirth class isn't going to guarantee you, um, you know, this, this magical, sublime, orgasmic birth experience. Um, but what I think it, it did for me and for my husband was really prepared us. It prepared us emotionally and psychologically um, and it gave us so much education and so much knowledge and understanding about what we were about to embark on that um, I went into that experience, you know, with significantly less fear and trepidation about what it was I was about to go through. And um, and that was huge for me, tremendous, because I did have actually quite a complicated labour with my son. Um, and, you know, and actually, uh, to be honest, I think had honestly had I had him here in Australia, um, there's no question I would have had a cesarean section um, at least there, I think they they really do um, support um, normal physiological birth. Obviously, provided that mum and baby are doing okay, um, but that is what they will protect to the utmost. And I think that it was that philosophy and that approach to birth over there that really allowed me the time that I needed to give birth to him normally. Um, and I don't know, I came out of that experience, I guess. I think it really helped me in my early days of being a new mum 
Um, certainly, you know, I found out I was pregnant with my daughter when um, he was 12 weeks old. Oh my God. <laughs> so, you know, where's the first time I found out, you know, when I was expecting my son, I was leaping up and down and, you know, jumping for joy. And it was just all the most amazing day of my life and, and everything. And, and when I found out, I had a sneaking suspicion that I was pregnant. Um, uh, with uh, with my daughter Amalia, and um, you know, I just remember looking at the at the pea stick, just shaking my head in absolute disbelief, going, "This is not happening." So your hand was shaking as um, well. Yeah, and I remember just, you know, oh god, it was it was a bit stressful. I think I was in denial for about part, probably half the pregnancy. Um, but of course, you know, look, it was it was hard in the beginning having two children barely under one at that point. Um, but look, to be honest now, it's like having twins, I think, you know, and, and it's actually a real joy to have two children who are so close in age because they, you know, they're great friends when they're not killing each other. And, um, you know, it just, um, yeah, I think we got all of that really hard stuff out of the way very quickly. Um, but it's interesting when, when my daughter was about six months old, I got an email from Rochelle, who was the woman who, whose class we attended. Lamar's class and she was obviously writing to you know past clients and, and colleagues and so forth to say that she was now um, an accredited trainer through Lamar's International and was setting up the first um, Lamar's educator training program in Israel that you know in ever um, <clears throat> and was I interested in possibly um, joining and it was just, you know, you know how sometimes I think we look back at moments, you know, really, I suppose, uh, defining moments in our lives and they just, it's like they're burned in our memory. And I think the moment I got that email, I will never forget because I was at home with both my kids. I was beginning to sort of feel a little bit like, mm, you know, I love this stay-at-home mum type of thing, but I need something more. I need my brain needs to be activated. I need to get out. I need to be an adult company. I need to do something that's just really, you know, intellectually stimulating and, and you know, all of that. I really was needing that by that point. And, um, you know, I had I had my daughter with me on the couch. I had my son crawling around on the floor. And then, boom, this email came and I was like, oh, my God, that's it. That's what I'm supposed to do with my life. Amazing. <laughs> and, um, you know, I honestly, I couldn't have submitted my application fast enough. <laughs> but I'll worry about how I'm going to pay for this damn thing afterwards, but I need to do this. And um, and before I knew it, you know, there I was sitting, you know, back in the – it's funny, the same room we did the childbirth class as she was running the, the course. And I thought, here I am training to be a childbirth educator. It was just such a head spin to be in that different kind of uh, space altogether. And, and so um, what was the time frame between signing up and when you actually started? Like how old? Oh, really? Right. So, uh, she was about sort of seven or eight months, I think, old when we were doing it. It was one full day a week, so it actually worked out very well. We, ha we found a, a beautiful woman, a, a nanny who was, you know, just with them at home during the day. And it was just, I love those classes. Those That one day a week for me, and, we, and her course went, for, you know, for 18 weeks. It was a significant training program. Um, was just, I don't know, it was just, it was my day. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. I just. I reveled in it, you know, just being with these other women. We were all passionate about what we were doing, what we were learning. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was, I just thought my brain was coming alive and, and just that, just that kind of aha moment of feeling like you found your calling. 
um, which, you know, by that point I was 37. So, you know, I, I feel like I'd, I'd had a couple of careers already and yet this was the first time I thought, wow, this is actually what I'm truly meant to do with my life. Um, and I think, you know, when you find something you are just so totally passionate about, you just, you just give it a million percent, you know, and I just absolutely kind of, um, I think I just, um, embraced it and, and just, I couldn't soak, you know, more information up quick enough, <laughs> you know, and, um, yeah, so basically, I guess following her course, um, you know, the way Lamar's works is you do, you do an accredited training program, but in order to actually become certified as a Lamar's educator, you need to pass their exam, which is a, an online, uh, exam, which they offer twice a year. Um, so as a group, we, we took that next intake that came up. Um, um, you know, and it was, it was pretty nerve wracking. It's, you know, I hadn't done an exam since I was probably about 17 at school. Um, and, you know, sitting under full exam conditions and, and whatnot. Um, but then finding out I'd passed and I was, you know, I'd become Lamar certified was just, you know, it was the biggest thrill ever. Mm. Um, and just look, I guess from there, we, we had sort of decided that we wanted to move back to Australia around that time. Um, so it was kind of a clean, clean slate you know I have this amazing new qualification we came back here and I hadn't lived in Melbourne for about 10 years so it was um that was a big big shift and coming back you know with a husband and two children <laughs> when I'd left single and childless was was quite quite bizarre um but I was just also very eager I think just to, st to throw myself into launching a business and um and and getting Lamar's known here it sounds like perfect timing that you had that new passion that you were ready to just you know plant the seed and start over here mm. I mean it was actually yeah. it sounds like divine timing really yeah it, yeah very much so I think um, I think though the biggest surprise to me, I, I don't know, I, I sort of assume because Lamar's is so well known in, in many, many places around the world, not just not just America where where it started. But I think I got here and just and just assumed there would be, you know, a whole group of, of other Lamar's educators and I would kind of, you know, slot into this local community of, of um of Lamar's professionals and you know I went into they have a website where you can you know search um you know for other educators um and I just typed in Australia or I typed in Melbourne I can't remember and nothing came up except me <laughs> and I was like why is that can't be they can't, I cannot possibly be the only Lamar's educator in this entire country um but I was which was really a surprise. In the whole country. Wow. In the whole country. And, um, and that's still the case, although I, I have just finished the training program with, with um, 10 amazing women. So hopefully by the end of this year when they take their exam, um, there'll be 11 of us um, this time next year, which would be pretty amazing. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, so it was a bit of a lonely path in the beginning. Um, but also, you know, I, I had to really find my way and, and, and really understand everything here you know the the maternity system here I didn't give birth here so that was you know I really had no no experience or knowledge of of local systems and protocols and and whatnot um and so there was yeah that period of time of really acclimatizing and I think just sort of you know learning a lot and relearning and um yeah just because I really felt very strongly and I can't sit in front of a a group of of pregnant you know, couples, um, and, and tell them about, you know, their experience about, you know, particularly, specifically about giving birth in Melbourne, um, without really understanding, um, the system here. So there was, 
definitely I, did, I sort of felt I needed to do a lot of homework when I first got here. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Yeah. Do your research. So I want to hear, I mean, we need to hear about Lamar's because, you know, um, obviously it was in Australia till you got here, which means that there's, you know, obviously you're the pioneer. So that lets me leads me to think that people don't really know about it. Um, I think the the general feeling out there is that it's the huffing and puffing that we saw on, on TV shows growing up and that's about it. Now, I know you're going to dispel that myth, um, but yeah, just let's delve into what it is and, and what people can expect and yeah, go for it. Sure. Um, you're absolutely right. I, I, and this is still my experience in classes when I ask people, you know, have you heard about Lamar's, you know, the, you know, the name, what do you know about it, if anything? And I do get a lot of, well, isn't it the breathing method? Um, or look, occasionally, I mean, there are the Lamar's toys, you know, the infant range of toys, um, which Lamar's produce and, and, um, they developed, um, together with Harvard University um, and so you know that's that's a well-known name and brand and anybody who's had a baby knows those toys um, but I think although I'm I, I was on I still am currently the only educator there it, it is it is such a well-known name and even if people don't know what it is necessarily it's sort of not a completely foreign kind of idea or concept um, I think, unfortunately, Hollywood has a lot to answer for, um, you know, and, and even now, I mean, you, you see movies and TV shows where, you know, you see the whole you know, all of, all of this sort of stuff and, and, and like, well, that's what Lamar's is all about. Um, and look, to be honest and to be fair, I suppose, back in, in, in the day when, I mean, Lamar's has been around since 1960, so we're talking already, you know, 50 years really um of um of a, of a huge amount of of knowledge over the years of and sort of the people who have been involved in the organization over these years um are still regarded today worldwide you know it doesn't matter what childbirth education program you do these are the pioneers these are people whose whose names you hear and you've got you know Ina May Gaskin and Penny Simigan and um and on and on. I mean, the, you know, people who's, um, you know, are synonymous with, with birth, um, you know, have, have been involved in one way or another with Lamar's for decades. Um, and in many ways, I sort of think of Lamar's as being kind of like the mother or the grandmother of all childbirth education. It really kind of um, came at a time in, in history, um, you know, really around, you know, the sexual revolution um, and, you know, there was a huge birth revolution back then. Um, you know, women were starting to refuse, um, you know, to be you know, to be anaesthetised in, in labour, you know, with twilight sleep um, and, you know, wanted to actually feel and experience birth. Um, and um, so I think, you know, when Lamar's really came out, it was, it was, um, it was in reaction to a lot of um, social change and upheaval particularly in women's rights around that time um so you know originally i mean lamar's was actually called aspo which was oh i think american society for prophylaxis in oh obstetrics or something like that i mean you can imagine if they'd kept that name i think lamar's 
us would have would have just had to fold up, you know, close up shop a long time ago. Um, so it's a good thing they changed their name to Lamaze and, and the Lamaze International. But um, I think the biggest changes now is um, is that first of all, Lamaze is not a method. It's not a technique. It's not something you know you're going to go to Lamaze class and you're going to learn how to do X, Y, and Z or breathing method A, B, and C. Um, you know, it's not that breathing is not important in labor, and I'm sure anybody you know who um, you know who who has labored themselves you know can tell you how important it is to really try and keep um you know good even um you know breath you know to sort of really to help them manage labor and intensity of labor and pain and labor so it's, it's an incredibly important tool but i think that's what i think that's the word it's a tool and there are many many tools that women have to help them manage in labor um and so i guess where lamaze is at today is that they view the breathing as simply one of many things that women can do to help themselves, um, you know, as labor intensifies. <clears throat> and I think the other thing also that, um, you know, really is, I suppose, um, something that uh, is synonymous with, with Lamar's today is the importance that it places on evidence-based information. So everything that any Lamar's certified educator will teach in a course is based on the most current and um, and rigorous research around um, pregnancy, birth, and early parenting. So you're not going to hear an educator sort of spout off their own opinion or something that sounds sort of really kind of, you know, um, <clears throat> a bit kooky. Um, and I think couples really appreciate knowing that the information is really backed in, you know, good science. Um, but at the same time, it's absolute priority is that birth is a normal physiological event in a woman's life. And, um, and it's really, really important, particularly in today's um, environment. And, you know, most women giving birth in, in modern first world countries are experiencing very similar issues, which is that birth has become so medicalized and it is becoming increasingly difficult for a woman to actually go into birth, to give birth in a hospital environment with minimal or no interventions. It's almost impossible, to be honest with you. Um, oh, I know. I mean, that's the last place I wanted to be having. Yeah, exactly. You know, and um, so I think that, you know, you hear a lot of women sort of saying, well, I'm, I'm going to wing it, you know, and I, you know, birth plan, birth plan, you know, it's a load of rubbish um, or, you know, what do I know? I, you know, I don't have a medical degree. I'm just going to go in there and trust the people because they know what they're doing. Um, it's not to say they don't know what they're doing. Of course they do. I mean, that they're highly trained professionals, be the midwives or obstetricians. I mean, they're, they're there to support, um, you know, laboring women. Of course they are. But saying that, um, there are so many other factors which are at play that, you know, if you haven't, if you don't have that knowledge and understanding of how hospitals work and why protocols, you know, are the way they are, um, you know, the chances of you going in to hospital and giving birth without, you know, having that so-called cascade of interventions just released on you is very slim. And I think that's one of the most important things about um, Lamar's education and really any childbirth class is that it's it's you're there to get informed um, because unless you're making informed choices, you can't give informed consent or refusal. Um, and you're really, you know, that idea of really handing over your power um, to somebody else um, 
is really the reality of what happens to a lot of women. Um, and that's something I'm particularly passionate about. I'm really very, very passionate about informed decision making um, and having women understand that they have choices and they have the right to make choices. Um, and and that's, so, that's something I, re- I, I guess I really focus on in my classes in particular. With so much great information provided on each episode, we've created an easy way for you to stay up to date on keeping your family happy, healthy, and safe. For exclusive content, as well as show notes, links for everything we discuss on the episode, as well as a free newsletter to help keep you informed, visit mumsthewordpodcast.com. I love that it's all evidence-based, you know, because it really does equip mums uh, going into either their birth provider and, and, you know, that's where I guess the, the choices can be, you know, the conversation of choice can start when I guess it's an informed choice and there's evidence backed up. I know yeah. um, we've had some episodes about this and birth plans and, and really that, that process of, you know, going through the educational steps, um, you know, leaves mums or parents equipped to, to get the birth they want really. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So what about in terms of a little bit of logistics and, mm. you know, like how long is a course generally? Um, is there homework? Uh, you know, is, you know, is there some sort of hands-on? Just curious. Yeah. So I, I think one of the, one of the lovely things about um, the teaching Lamar's class is that it's, it's not prescribed in the sense that, you know, you must as, a, as an educator teach X number of hours in this format with this um, curriculum. Um, I think one of, I suppose, the backbone, if you like, of Lamar's education is something called the Six Healthy Birth Practices. Um, and these were developed and, in fact, they were adapted from World Health Organization recommendations. And um, I'll run through them really quickly. So the first one is um, let labor begin on its own. And um, and this is, you know, all, talking all, obviously all about induction and how to avoid induction and so forth. Um, the uh, second one is to walk, move around and change positions frequently throughout labour. Um, the third one is to bring a loved one, friend um, or doula for continuous support. Um, the fourth one is to um, avoid um, unnecessary medications, basically how to, how to, you know, avoid unnecessary intervention in labor. Um, I feel like I'm forgetting one. Goodness, I'm right off the top of my head here. Please tell um, me there's don't birth on your back. Yes. Yes, there is. Oh yes. So that's the next one, which is, um, thank you. Um, which is the to follow, me. Can't help it. <laughs> follow your body's urge to push and, and, and basically, you know, don't, you know, don't give birth on your back unless you unless you you know you absolutely can't avoid that um and and i would say that you know even a woman with an epidural can avoid giving birth on her back um but it's to you know ideally to adopt upright forward leaning positions for giving birth and then the fifth one is um you know keep mother and baby together it's best for baby uh mother and for breastfeeding obviously for bonding um yeah so 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 you can see how with those, I mean, that, you know, basically the course kind of comes off all of those and, and all of that content is really spiraled throughout the course. So in terms of, I suppose, logistics, how I run the course, it's really interesting, I suppose, over the last few years, you know, my course changes, as I said, it's evidence-based. So if the evidence changes and we have new recommendations and and and, and new evidence, then you know, I change and adapt my course accordingly. Um and um, but I, I was running until last year, and it was you know very popular. It was it was a one day intensive course. It was a six hour class, 
um, you know, you can imagine running through all of that content in six hours and I would go home and I'd just be absolutely wiped out. And I kind of thinking, hang on, if I'm feeling that way, how are these couples feeling? Even though, yes, the feedback was great and people loved the course and, and everything, but I, I really felt personally as an educator I was not doing what I needed to do. It was a disservice to be running through that amount of information in such a short space of time. And it's it's a really tricky one because on the one hand, you know, we want to meet people's needs. And, you know, the fact is, is that people are time poor these days. And, you know, they do want their partner to come and maybe, you know, only one day at the weekend is the only day they can come. So there's all those sort of considerations that, yes, you, you want to be able to um, meet people where they're at. But on the other hand, I sort of felt, well, no, as, as, a, as an educator, I have a responsibility. This is something I feel so passionate about. People need to take the time out from their busy lives um, when they're preparing for the birth of their child because it is, I absolutely believe it is the single biggest and most fundamental life change that we experience. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, they research their cars more and all of these things. Absolutely. I mean, you know, spend more time choosing the stroller than they they do, you know, and they'll do the little cursory flip through one, you know, what's that? There's that terrible book, um, What to Expect When You're Expecting, um, which I call What to Expect When You're Expecting Trouble. That's what we call it. (laughs) Um, And um, so, you know, I basically just made a decision and it was quite nerve wracking because obviously, you know, this is is my business. It's my livelihood. Okay, I'm going to not do my one-day course anymore. I'm going to double it and do it over two full days. Um, I also do an evening-based course, which is three um, three evenings, so over three consecutive weeks, and they're both the same length. Um, it's just whether, you know, an evening works better for people or a weekend works better. Um, but I've doubled the, the length of the curriculum, and um, I've just, first of all, the, I suppose the huge relief was that I found that it didn't impact on registration. <laughs> Um, so even though it costs more because obviously it's double my time, um, you know, people are still coming, which is really very, um, reassuring. Um, but I just, I think I enjoy teaching it so much more. And I just, I love that I have the time now to really devote to all these topics and, you know, a big part of the course. And obviously this is a a big reason why a lot of people want to go to a, to an independent birthing class is because they, they want the hands-on stuff, you know. You go to hospital classes and it's very much about sitting down and being lectured to for, you know, a few hours and you kind of go home with your handouts and, um, yeah, what did I learn? Not very much. Um, you know, the Lamar's, uh, Lamar's class is very much about the doing and, you know, the actioning rather than just the listening. Um, and we know also if you, if you, you know, know anything about the way adults learn, um, you have to really make these classes engaging and very practical and hands-on for people to be able to actually learn these skills and feel they can go home and they feel confident about what they've learned. So, you know, we practice lots of um, positions for active labor. Um, <clears throat> we do touch on breathing, but I don't talk about methods of breathing. We just talk about how breathing, as I said, is, is part of, if you think about your toolkit for labor and all of the fantastic non-pharmacological things that you can do and use to help you in labor. I will talk also about more traditional medical forms of pain relief. I will talk about medical interventions because I think, you know, again, given what nearly 
99% of women give birth in a hospital, it would be remiss of me not to explain to women what these things are and what the potential, um, not just, you know, yes, benefits, we'll talk about benefits, but very importantly, what the risks are. Um, Again, so women can go home, read that material, do their own research. I'll point them in direction, some really good evidence-based information online. Um, and they can make a decision. So it's not my role, it's not my job to place any judgment on a woman if she chooses to go down the route of a more traditional, you know, and medical form of pain relief. Um, and, and it's really interesting. We know <clears throat> we, there have been many, many studies done looking at women's, um, you know, birth experiences and birth satisfaction, you know, looking back after they've, they've obviously had their babies. And, you know, it's really not to do with whether or not they have the epidural or the morphine or, um, you know, an induction or, you know, a completely natural, you know, intervention-free vaginal delivery um, as to whether, you know, these are not the factors which influence how satisfied or dissatisfied a woman was with her birth. It's much more about the personal. It's about the, how that woman felt during her labor experience. You know, did, was, was she supported? Did she feel loved and cared for? Did she feel that she was part of the decision-making process? Um, did she feel that, um, you know, her opinion mattered and, when, and that she was consulted on things? So those are the sort of things that really do impact on a woman for a long, long time after her birth. Um, and I think that, you know, the outcome obviously <laughs> provided healthy mother and healthy baby, but that's not the be all and the end all. We know that absolutely is not the case. Um, and I get really upset when I hear people say, oh, but all that matters is the healthy mother, healthy baby, um, because that's a very narrow definition of healthy, I think. Um, I but, um, but yes, I, I think, you know, sometimes I get couples coming into the class going, oh, you know, are you going to demonize doctors? Are you going to demonize hospitals? Are you going to demonize, you know, the epidural? Of course I'm not. Um, you know, and in, in some cases, and I think any, any experienced midwife also working, you know, day in, day out with, with, uh, with laboring women will tell you that there is a time and a place that's appropriate for those things. And I think we need to look at every woman individually and every labor individually, every baby individually. And for some women, that is the right choice for them. Um, and, and so I really want women to know that in the classes that, you know, I'm not there to judge them and they most importantly should not judge themselves. I think women feel so much pressure, um, you know, not just during pregnancy, but, you know, you know, did you have the, um, you know, did you, you know, were you the superhero mother who just, you know, absolutely, you know, toughed it through labor without any drugs or, you know, it's, it's rubbish. It's absolute rubbish. I think, um, you know, women need to feel empowered about their birth and their birth decisions, um, whatever that might be. And um, and so I feel, I guess, my role is to inform and educate and support their decisions. Um, you know, and you know, obviously, I think though we we it's a given that um, and there's so much research to support how an unmedicated physiological labour <clears throat> is optimal. It's optimal for mother. It's optimal for baby. Um, I, I love, for example, when I, when I talk about hormones in classes, um, and, you know, what they do, what their purpose is, um, and how, how they work in this incredible sort of release of, of cocktails, of a cocktail of hormones, if you like, um, that, and then what happens to those hormones when you do interrupt the flow with, uh, with medication or other interventions or synthetic versions of those hormones. And it, it's, 
you, you see the little light bulbs going off one by one in these people's heads and it's fantastic, you know, and you feel, you know, it, it's a great feeling to know that you're giving people such important information that otherwise they probably just would never have got. Um, so, yeah, I think that for me is, is something I, you know, I get a huge amount out of in, in my classes anyway. I love it. I can hear your passion. <laughs> I think we all can. I, I, um, I would love to hear you a, a quote or an affirmation just in terms of birth that, and how you've um, either applied it to your life or to your classes or mothering. Um, yeah, look, there are lots of quotes. Um, but actually there's a couple in particular that I really love. There's one um, um, by a woman called Jane Wiedemann and it's giving birth should be your greatest achievement, not your greatest fear. Um, and I think uh, I love it because I think that fear uh, and fear in the in the in the labour in the birthing suite has become so dominant. Um, you know, women today. I mean, the, the the statistics around you know the um, the amount of fear that women are feeling um, as they approach labour is I is terrifying in itself. Um, and it, we know we know that a, when a woman is fearful. Um, first of all, on a hormonal level, she'll start releasing, you know, tons of adrenaline. Her oxytocin levels will, will just bottom out. Um, and she will literally start to feel pain more intensively. And then she's on this horrible kind of, you know, um, hamster wheel of fear, tension and pain, which, you know, I'm sure, you know, you, you know, you know about and, and many of the listeners are, are familiar with this. And once you're in that cycle of, of fear and, and your body tensing and your muscles tensing, your uterus, you know, stops contracting as efficiently, it's very, very hard to break out of that. And, um, you know, so, you know, we do talk a lot in classes about fear, about pain and, and about how pain is a normal and functional as a not dysfunctional aspect of labor. It's important to actually feel pain in labor because it tells us so much about what's going on in our own body and in, and with our baby as well. So I, you know, and I think that fear is probably, it's, it's, not that it's a taboo because, you know, women are very vocal about how fearful they are of um, of labour and the pain and, and everything. But what I actually think is that women don't really truly deal with it, you know, and on, on the surface, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, all, this is all fine, but there's a lot of really deep anxiety under there which I think really needs to come to the surface and, and, and to be dealt with. And I think that was actually one of the things from personal experience when, when my son was born, I think on the surface I'd convinced myself that I was all good <laughs> and, um, and then when things really didn't go to plan and um, you know, I ended up in you know, this absolute classic cascade of intervention, I had everything but the cesarean section with him, I did cope well at all because I really, I, I realised in hindsight I did not deal with my own fear. I thought I had, but I really hadn't in reality. Um, so, yeah, that's something I think we shouldn't be afraid to talk about and we should, should, should feel comfortable about trying to deal with. Um, the other thing, other quote I really love is an Ina Mae Gaskin quote, which is your body is not a lemon. Love it. I already <clears> yeah. 
And I'm sure I'm sure that's the favorite of a lot of birth professionals. Um, but I think it goes hand in hand with fear. They're so connected because, you know, and, and I had a, a woman just in my very, my last course just a couple of weeks ago, and I, I often start the class when you know when we do sort of our you know um, introductions and people get to know each other a little bit, and I say, you know, what's what's brought you here? What what do you want out of this class? Or you know, what are you hoping to leave with? And and one woman said. You know, I really, I'm really scared that my body just won't work. And, um, and I've, it's not the first time I've heard that, you know, in, in one kind of guise or another. And, you know, I think again, thanks to, oh my God, social media and Hollywood and reality TV and, you know, well-meaning friends who, you know, who spurt out their horror stories. And it's, you know, women are just, you know, spend this nine months, which should be a time of absolute transformation and beauty and, you know, everything positive often just becomes increasingly full of anxiety, stress, and fear. Um, and then, you know, ultimately that they're going to go into labor and things are not going to work. And this, you know, the, you know, their baby isn't going to come out properly and they're going to need this intervention, that intervention. And really, you know, thank God for cesarean surgery because otherwise I would have been, you know, I would have died and my baby would have died. It all becomes a terribly self-fulfilling prophecy um, where we can look back and say, well, you know, thank God for all the, the modern you know, medical system that we have when often women don't understand that, in fact, it was the system <laughs> that failed them and not their bodies. And um, the system is often really designed to make you fail. Um, and, you know, there, of course, there are ways around that. And, and again, I think it all comes back to education. It comes back to just being informed, doing your homework, um, and and having that confidence to feel empowered about you know about your birth, your body, your baby, um, and your, all your decisions that you make. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've shared so much gold. I think we're going to run out of time to get to all the <laughs> questions. That's okay though, because you've touched on so much. But I would love to hear from you, Tanya. Um, one, the best advice you've ever received, so we can share that with the listeners, and two, some invaluable resources um, that that you'd love to share with the with the audience. Oh gosh, best advice as a mum or yeah, maybe as a mum. Yeah. Um, I think you know, just I, I remember just being pregnant with my son and um and just learning in that class. You know, when I was just the pregnant mum, you know, and I didn't have any of the knowledge or any anything that I have now. Not not even you know nothing. Um, but just being told and told again and again, the birth is normal. You know, it is a normal physiological event and that you can do this. Um, and and I think even, you know, as I said, I had a, I had a really difficult labour with my son. I was induced. It was, I was at the end of 42 weeks. It went for three days. Um, and, um, and I just, I think that's what really got me through, you know, because at one point, I mean, the obstetrician was already, you know, scrubbed and, you know, the OR was all, it was all ready. They were all ready for me. <laughs> they were about to wheel me in. And I had a midwife who just, you know, whispered in my ear and she said to me, she was, she was, she was from England as well, which was, you know, I was giving birth in Israel. Everybody around me was speaking Hebrew and to have this one Yorkshire accent in my ear was just, it was the most comforting, yeah. you know, God sent for me. And she was, she was quite tough, but she's like, you know what? You can do this, but I'm telling you, you've got 10 minutes to do it, <laughs> you know? And she was like, you know, push came to shove, literally, literally for me by that point. And it was just having that person have faith in me 
um, believing in me that I could do that when everyone else had given up. Everyone else in the room was like, ah, this is this is a Caesar. And she didn't give up on me. And I and I was hearing Rochelle as well in my head that, you know, this is normal. Your body can do this. And I think that's what I want women to believe, that, you know, they they their bodies are beautifully designed for this and we need to kind of need to have that faith. You need to have faith in, in really what you're you know, you're perfectly designed to do. Absolutely, and they need to know it. But um, yeah. what I love is uh, I'm just going to have my little uh, two, two cents here is that mm-hmm. with such a story of your birth and the time that it took and having almost every intervention that look at where you are now. I mean, mm. it's not for nothing that you've obviously gone through that path as I'm sure you've realised many times. Yeah. So, so what were some invaluable resources? Um, well, I, look, I send lots of, um, lots of great links to things, um, you know, to, to couples who do the classes, but there's a few sites which I think are fantastic. Um, particularly when you are, you know, yourself looking for some evidence-based resources, uh, particularly if, you know, you're needing to discuss something with your care providers and, you know, you want to have in your hand something that's really, uh, good, solid information. So first of all, I'd say that the Lamar's website itself, Lamar's have, have two websites, one for parents, um, and one for professionals. So the one for parents is just lamaz.org. Um, it's a wealth of information on that site. Um, I would also um, encourage people to check out evidencebasedbirth.com, um, which was started a few years ago by a uh, PhD nurse researcher from the States called Rebecca Decker. Um, what she basically does is she, um, she does all the hard work. <laughs> she looks up all the research that's out there on a given topic and she will, you know, go through it with a fine tooth comb and she will analyze it and, um, and help basically to simplify it to a point where anybody can read it and understand it. Um, so she's done some fantastic summaries of some of the most important issues that face, um, you know, pregnant women at the moment. Um, things like, you know, suspected big baby, gestational diabetes, um, in, induction, um, you know, Tons and tons of topics, um, which right. uh, I'll send. I send links to. So have a look at evidencebasedbirth.com. There's also a very, a, a very good website called Childbirth Connection. I think it might be .org, but certainly if you just Google Childbirth Connection, um, they um, have also um, on that website Sarah Buckley's new report, which is the hormonal physiology of childbirth. Um, and, um, and they were also responsible for, uh, I think probably the biggest survey, um, in the United States, um, that's ever been done, um, with, with new mothers. It's called Listening to Mothers and it's been going now for nearly 12 years. Um, and they've amassed an incredible amount of, of, of data about pregnancy and the experiences of a new mum. So it's, it's a website which is, can be used by professionals, but equally by pregnant women because it's just chock full of, you know, fantastic, um, evidence-based research information, basically. Lots of feedback information on there as well, which is really good. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Well, one more question. Uh, how can people best get in touch with you and hear more about your services? And obviously, we'd love to hear your website and Facebook page if you have. Yep. So, our website is easy. It's just um, well, www.birthwellbirthright.com. Um, and, um, and you can reach me by, you know, from the website, obviously for email and, and everything else is all there and, and phone. And then, um, Facebook is just facebook.com and then forward slash birthwell birthright. So, um, I would, yes, I'm, you know, I love answering people's questions. Um, I often do get people sort of 
you know, emailing me or posting on the Facebook. And so if you've got questions, I'm, you know, I love writing and, and, uh, and blogging and stuff. So I'm always looking for inspiration for ideas. So um, I can definitely hear <laughs> high energy and the passion. And, and honestly, like you've shared so much gold. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Um, I can, um, yeah, I think we could probably do a second episode and we get through a lot of the questions, but I don't think I've had anyone yet so far just, you know, have such a high energy. We can hear your passion and I, I'm just so grateful for the work that you do and also just really grateful that our paths crossed and I could get, yeah. get you on the podcast. What an honor. Yeah, I've been, thank you so much for inviting me. It's been great. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Thanks, Tanya. Pleasure. Bye. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Mums the Word. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes and join us on our Facebook page to help us share the message to more mums all over the world. We look forward to having you join us again next time here on your trusted source for all mums everywhere, Mums the Word. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.